scriptures now. We're going to turn to the book of Philippians in chapter 4. And we're, we're kind of winding down toward the end of the book of Philippians. Uh, we're in the last bit. And um, this morning we're going to be looking uh, just at verses 8 and 9. And uh, Paul has made an argument, continually making an argument about um, bringing the focus of the church to Christ and the deciding factor of uh, what teachers you accept and what practices you accept is always being driven by um, how it brings us into, into relationship with Christ and then one another through Him. Um, and he talked last week about two women who were having a dispute and encouraged the church uh, to define their relationship um, by their no knowledge of Christ. And in verse 8, Paul says this, Finally, brothers. Now, this is how I know, by the way, that Paul was um, uh, a Baptist. Whenever a Baptist says finally, there's, you know, 20 more verses. Uh, so, but he, he, says, he says finally, um, and he's wrapping everything up. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we just reflect on this passage? Father, you are indeed the source of all good things, the peace we have, the righteousness in Christ, the new life that we live as followers of Christ, Lord, your spirit that gives us new life. In all of those things, we recognize who you are and what you do, not because we are worthy, but because you are worthy. As we reflect on your word, as we look to words on a page that show us the living word, Christ, and call us to follow him, May your glory be foremost in our minds. May your spirit guide and teach us um, beyond the words that are said that we might hear his voice above all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul gives this thing, and, and there's a couple of ways you can treat this. You can either treat it as a list um, of categories. So, in other words, you can say, well, there are true things, and there are honorable things, and there are just things, and there are pure things, and, and we can kind of go around and go, hey, this is a just thing, this is a pure thing, this is a good thing, but that's not really what Paul is doing. Paul is uh, repeating himself here to build up an image of the things that are worth considering, the things that are excellent, the things that are worthy of praise. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning, I just want to, I want to take these words and I want us to, to kind of unpack them so that we can understand what it is that he's calling us to look for in the world. Um, as we walk through our journey, as we, as we journey as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people um, who are uh, not yet made that commitment but are on the way, as those of us that have been Christians for as long as we can remember, um, for those of us that can't remember a lot anymore, for all of the different phases between, we, as we are going on, as we walk through this world and we encounter values and actions and, and behaviors and, and, and material goods and all the things that we encounter... What is it that Paul says that it is worth thinking about? Um, and the word that he uses for think, by the way, is, is the idea of active thinking. 
Um, when he says, uh, when he says in verse uh, verse eight, he says, um, "Think about these things." At the end of verse eight, he's not he's not saying, "Oh, just sit and ponder, consider." You know, what do you think that means? You know, but rather that those things become the component, a chief component of our thinking. Our process of thought is guided by these values. Think about these things. So what does he mean when he talks about this? Let's just talk about some of the words that he uses. He says in verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true. Now, truth is an interesting idea. Something that is true. If we really unpack the concept of something being true, what does that mean? It means that it is what it says it is. That truth is about something being what it claims to be. So a true fact is something that looks like truth, looks like it's fact, and is fact. Right Now that sounds really profound in a world where everybody can decide what truth really means. I mean, how many of you remember, well, it depends what the definition of is is. All right. Um, we live in a world. We live in a world where we we can kind of define things however we want to think, find them. And have you ever been around somebody? They say something, and then there's like a negative response, and then they start redefining what it was that they said. Like like you know, I mean, I, I say things like you know the the New York Giants are a terrible football team, and <laughs> oh, that's not what I meant. See exactly. You know how people do these things? They like they like reverse around and they back up and they try to come up with well, I didn't really mean that. This is what I really meant. Let me nuance the meaning of all that thing, you know. Um, and and you know, is is what's being said true then, or is it or is it? Something that we're saying without thinking about the substance that's underneath it. We're just throwing out a veneer, but we're not considering what is true. Um, uh, how many of you have ever encountered in a building project something that looked solid and was not? Um, uh, I have also encountered, I, I was in Honduras in uh, 1999, I think it was, and we were there to help a pastor tear up a platform in his sanctuary. And when we, we called down to Honduras to ask him, oh, no, it's an easy job, no problem, you know, just get a little bit of demo, then we'll go and we'll look at the sites and all this stuff, and you guys can help with Vacation Bible School. So I got a group of teenagers and, we, and, uh, and another, uh, two other adults, my friend Mike and a lady named Cindy, and we all got together and we got on planes and we flew down to San Pedro Sula and um, we got to this church and he goes, there's the platform, it's going to be easy, no problem, easy. We're looking at the platform. So this was, I mean, sight unseen that we went down to this this platform okay so imagine if this platform all right was in a unair conditioned concrete building and he said no it's not a problem and that thing was solid concrete block it was there were about 12 of us sweating 100 degrees 100 percent humidity i mean just just working with sledgehammers i mean sledgehammers and our bare hands picking all this stuff up and, and man, that was not the job we signed on for. It was, it, was, it was, there was a little bit, maybe to him that was an easy job, but to us it was that. And truth is about when you say something, it is the thing that you say. When you make a statement, you stand behind that statement. It's a true statement, all right? Now, and, and when we talk, we take something and we then put that on like a value, say true repentance, true repentance, 
What is true repentance? It means that I, I turn from sin and I turn to Christ and I mean it. There's a significance, there's a reality to it. Um, right now I'm in the middle of studying the book of Jonah um, and, and one of the things that happens in the book of Jonah is that uh, the people of Nineveh, when Jonah shows up and preaches a five-word long sermon, um, he, and, and you kind of get the sense that Jonah kind of mumbled it, he wasn't really committed to it, he preaches his five-word sermon, and the people of Nineveh, they go, oh my goodness, our city's going to be destroyed, we need to change, and they start fasting, and they, they put sackcloth on their donkeys, which I don't know why, um, and, and a burrow and burlap, and, and, they, they, uh, and they're, they're doing all this stuff, and they, but the scriptures, if you actually look at what is being said, there's no significant change. They're just afraid they're going to be destroyed. And their fear of destruction motivates them to do something, but there's no true belief in the God that said he's going to destroy them. It's just fear. And is that true repentance? And I use that as an example. What is true is something that is what it says it is all the way through. So he says, whatever is true. And then he says, whatever is honorable. And the Greek word here, it means uh, something that is of true substance. So it is of real substance. You know, a true soap bubble looks really cool, but has no substance. It has no reality. It's just air with some detergent. Something of true substance. How many of you have ever been disappointed when you got a bunny for Easter, a chocolate bunny, and that bad boy was hollow? You got all excited. I got, a, I got enough chocolate to put me in a coma. And you open it up and it's just bad air. And it's not good enough chocolate that you can even finish it because it's hollow chocolate. You want a solid chocolate. I like Snickers bunnies. I like it. Not only does it have chocolate, it's got nougat and peanut. Anyway, I'm getting hungry. Um, it's something of true substance. Something that is honorable is something that is of substance. It is worth looking at and respecting because it has gravitas, it has power, it has strength. It's not ephemeral. It, it's not going to disappear. It's not evanescent. It, it, is, it is there and it is solid and it has substance. You know, it, it's one thing to make something beautiful that will fall apart the second you touch it. It is something else to make something beautiful that lasts for ages. And, and we live in a temporary world, right? We live in a world where everything gets thrown away. Everything is disposable. It's more expensive to fix it than it is to buy a new one. This, this always blows my mind that somehow the parts to repair my phone cost more than my phone is worth. Um, but but this, this, is, this is when he says something that is true, it's the same thing through and through, and that thing that it is is of substance and value and worth and weight. He says, that's worth thinking about. Then he calls it just. Now, the Greek word just, we, we use justice and all those things, but the, the word for just, it, it means uh, balanced right. That's really what the Greek word means. Um, it is the idea of something that has the weight it claims to have. In other words, this is a kind of a repetition of the idea of it being true. Um, that, that, and what you would do, you know, if you wanted to cheat people, you would use... Um, weights that weren't the weight that they said they were, so you could you could 
get a deal on things. And if you found out doing that, if you were found to use unjust weights in the Roman Empire, the punishment was death. It was pretty straightforward. They just would lob your head off right there. Um, because, because you had to be trustworthy, to be just, to be balanced, to be trustworthy, and, 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 and really um, be, uh, when, when you say you're something and there's substance there, that it balances out, that it's right. It's righteous. Now, it's not that we balance ourselves out. That's self-righteousness. So in other words, we try to get enough good to balance out our bad and that balance out. But rather that when we are put in the balance of this is who I am in Christ and this is who I'm trying to be, it balances out. And, and it, it works out. And that, that grace plus me um, balances out. Anyway, then he says pure. And this is Paul is starting to wander into a little bit of, and this is all kind of Roman language, but, um, but this, is a, this is a really good one. Um, the, the word pure is not pure in the sense that we talk about pure, you know, 99.9% pure, you know. Um, uh, what was it? Which, there was a soap that used to sell itself as ivory. It was 99.94% pure, right, or something like that. This, this has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way, but you know, you know, the, you know the slogan from Maxwell House Coffee? Good to the last drop. You know that came from Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah. He was the first celebrity endorser of coffee. That has nothing to do with the sermon, but now you know. Um, so so this, this, uh, this idea of purity, I only know because of the connection to Ivory Soap. I was listening to a seminar about the Gilded Age. Um, but the, um, but this, this is like, why does he have these things in his head? I wish I knew. Um, to be pure, this is not what purity means, that, you know, it's been refined all... Purity in the context that is being used is that it is something that is wholly devoted to a deity. Something that is wholly devoted to God is purified by the devotion process. The practice of devoting it to the God purifies the thing. So this and this this ties into in some ways the way that the ways that Paul talks about when he talks about like meat offered to idols and he talks about how it's been devoted to the idols and some people can't handle it because part of what's going on there when he's talking about it is when an animal was committed to a, a Greek god or a Roman god that animal went through a series of practices somewhat similar to what Ju- uh, uh, kosher is in Judaism or halal and um, not halal uh, in in Islam. Um, this idea of the animal has to be a certain way, but then the animal is committed through certain rituals to that God. This is, this is the idea. This is what this purity is, that something is fully committed to, its God, to the God. So when Paul says, I want you to think about these things, right? He says, whatever is true, so it's the same thing through and through, and it is honorable, it's of substance, it has value and gravitas and, and power, and it is just, it's all balanced out, and it is pure it is fully committed to god are you noticing a theme in all of these words that he's using every single one of them is total it is complete it is given over Um, not not partial commitments but full commitments not not sort of true i mean we've all had conversations that were sort of true um you know but fully true fully honest fully uh, honorable all substance pure and then he says lovely and and again this is a this is a, a you know it's new testament's written in greek this is a great it's an interesting word the idea of being lovely is something that provokes 
comment. It's something that provokes love. That you see it and you just go, wow. Now, <clears throat> we can use lots of illustrations about this. Different people have different, different feelings about this. Um, you know, some of you, for some of you, it's a work of art. You, you, you saw this work of art and you, just, you stood in the museum and stared at it and said, wow, that's amazing, that's beautiful. For some of you, it was your house. You were just being shown homes and you, you weren't sure about some of them and then you turned around and you saw this house and you went, wow, that's the house, that's the one. Uh, for some of you, it's your kids, all right? Hopefully for all of you with kids, but um, that, you, that you saw your child and it just provoked wonder and awe and comment, oh my goodness, she's so beautiful, please clean her. Um, you know, uh, you know, or, or, or um, I think for me, the, the illustration that works best for me is music. I, I'm not a big new music person. Um, my, my musical tastes all run from about 1968 to 1977, and they kind of stop right there. I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of new music. I don't like a lot of new music. I, I have opinions about the sounds of music being made today. But every once in a while, you encounter something. You encounter a piece of music or a work or something, you know, and, and it just makes you stop in your tracks and you go, wow. Um, I, I've, I've only had it happen to me a few times where some, I've gotten a new song from somebody um, and, um, and just sat there and listened to it. And I went, oh my goodness, this song, it provokes me to tears. It provokes me to response. I want everybody else to hear this song. Andrew Peterson has done that to me more than a few times with some of his songs. Just beautiful lyrics and married to just tremendous, uh, tremendous musical ability. And I just sit there, I'm like, wow, that is so tremendous. That is so intense. That's the idea that he's getting here with commendable. It provokes comment. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, lovely. It's provoking love. It's provoke, provoking an emotional connection. And, and it's, a, it's a real, honest, sincere, emotional connection. I mean, all of us have had the experience where somebody we love shows us something they love, and it has no connection to us at all. They're like, isn't this amazing? I do this to people every once in a while, like like guy on a buffalo. Um, uh, if you don't know what Guy on a Buffalo is, look it up on YouTube later. Um, we discovered Guy on a Buffalo, me and a group, of, a group of my friends discovered this, and it, to me, is one of the funniest things that has ever occurred on the internet. It is the reason that YouTube should exist, is incredibly weird inventiveness like this thing. It's, it's an old 1970s movie called Buffalo Rider, a guy, and this band... Um, something called Possum Posse, I can't remember what they call it. Anyway, they wrote a song, the guy on a buffalo. It makes no sense. It's hilarious. I showed it to my wife. She hate. I don't think hate is too strong of a word for her, her reaction to this. Tom did it to Becky, same response. I believe Ryan had a similar experience with Bree. I mean, she threatened to cut off his data connection. I mean, and, and then they released an app where you could play snippets of the song. By tapping it, that didn't last long in my house either. Um, love this thing. It's so incredible. And my wife is just like, yeah, it's great. Can, can you not do that again? You know, we, we all know, I mean, we all have things that provoke love to us. They, they provoke emotion from us and they don't affect other people, right? But we all have that experience of something that is just, it just provokes emotion. And so when Paul says these things, he says, look, it's, it's something that's true, it's something that's real, it's, it's, it's real all the way through, it's, it's got substance, it, it's, got, it, it's balanced, it, it's prepared, it's sacred, all the way through, prepared and sacred for God, and it provokes 
love. It provokes emotion. It provokes connection. He says, these are the things that are worth considering. These are the things that, are, that have excellence. These are the things that are worthy of praise. Now, I want you to understand that really who he's talking about is Christ. He's, he's trying to get them to understand that the only person, place, thing, or idea in the universe that has all of these things is Christ, who is completely true. He is completely of full substance, through and through the same thing, totally righteous, totally just, totally uh, committed and sacred and, 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 and pure for God, provoking love. This is really about Christ. So he says, if you're dealing with the religious ideas and things, and they don't draw you to Christ... If, if they detract from the purity and glory and wonder of Christ, don't think about those things. Now, why is that so important? Why is that so important? There's a lot of reasons, and I could give you all kinds of different ones, but just consider this for a moment. If we really evaluate everything that goes on in our lives and our walk and our faith and our church, if we really begin with Christ... If we really begin with true and honorable, just and pure and lovely Christ, His excellence, there are a couple of things that happen. For one thing, in comparison to Him, our own righteousness, purity, truth, substance, value, loveliness is really diminished. And we come to understand that what we think is super important may not be as important as we think it is because of who He is and His excellence and His glory. But the other side of it is, when we look at Him and realize that He is the foundation, the body, the, or foundation, the head, the truth, the creator, the sustainer of the church, then we have great hope that we, the broken, flawed, impure, not always true, not necessarily lovely, we can be made into something so much greater because He is at work in us. And the things that we think are important can fall by the wayside because as He is manifest in our midst, it becomes so much more. And then He says this. He says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in Me. Practice these things. Now, I think that Paul has an implicit statement that he is not perfect. I think we all know that Paul is not perfect. But he says, When you see the things in me that draw you to Christ. When you see the excellence of Christ in me, it's not because of me, but it's because of Him. When you see the truth of Christ in me, when you see the purity of Christ in me, that's, those are the things I want you to practice. Those are the things I want you to focus on. Now, Paul is not saying, do as I say, not as I do. Paul, we, we know when you read Paul, he's very honest about his fallibility, about his, his, his humanity. But he's saying, when you see Christ revealed in me, focus on that. Practice that. Because ultimately it's not about him. Ultimately it's about Christ. And he says, so what good you can get from me should be a reflection of Christ. What things that are worthy of praise of me they are the things that Christ has transformed in me because I'm a broken man. 
Now, I mentioned this at the beginning. I'm just going to end with this. He says, he said in verse, um, in verse nine, verse eight, at the end, he says, "Think about these things." I mentioned that this is an active thought. Why do we as Christians have to be constantly reminded of the character, nature, and being of Christ? Why does it always have to be brought to the present, to the forefront of our minds? Why do we as Christians have to devote ourselves to the Scriptures, devote ourselves to, to submission to what the, the Scriptures say? Why do we have to get together every week? Why do we do communion all the time? Why do we do all these things? Because we as human beings, if we are not constantly, actively bringing Christ to the forefront of our mind and our thinking, both as individuals and as a group, we will start to see Christ as we are rather than striving for us to be as He is. We have to repeat the things that are so fundamental. Everybody's like, oh, this is easy. Everybody's, we've heard this sermon a million times. Why do we have to talk about Jesus again? The, the, the truth is we're, we constantly have to do it. I have to do it. You have to do it. We have to constantly be calling ourselves to the honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable excellence and praiseworthiness of Christ. Because if we don't constantly remind ourselves of that, if, it doesn't, if it's not constantly renewed in our minds, if it is not an active thought process of turning our focus to Him, before too long, we will make a, up a Jesus that looks like us rather than us trying to be like Jesus. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Holy Spirit at work in us and our hearts, so unnoticed and unseen, and yet we feel you work among us. As you draw us to Christ, help us to be sensitive to your leading, your direction, your calling, your conviction. Father who created and commissioned in the great mystery that was before our world. From the foundations of the earth, you established the supremacy and priority of Jesus, your Son for reasons that are beyond our comprehension, in ways that we could never understand, He is all. And Jesus, we are nothing before You. We are nothing without You. And yet we have everything in You. May we as Your church seek Your face, Your glory, Your praise. May all that we do and say be conformed to you for the glory of your Father through the power of your Spirit. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and give you peace and give you peace, and give you peace.
my brothers and sisters, there's a trash